He didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santorowski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we discuss everything racing. Uh, before we get into it, let me introduce to you my panel tonight. With me, as always, is Mr. Gray Warren of Richard Childress Racing. Gray, how are you? I'm doing great. Hope everyone else is. Christopher DeHardy, who writes for Motorsports, or I'm sorry, Motorsports Tribune, uh, covers the IndyCar Series. Chris, how are you? Doing well. Looking forward to going to Barber tomorrow. Um, Seth Eggert in the house again, also Motorsports Tribune NASCAR writer. Seth, good to have you back on board tonight. How are you? I'm good, and uh, I'm not sure I'm looking forward to the 72 hours of Bristol. 72 hours of Bristol, <laughs> yes. We'll get into that later in the show. And uh, last but not least, uh, joining us again for the second time this year, and we hope to have you on a whole bunch more, Richard Uden, uh, also of uh, Richard Childress Motorsports. Richard Great to have you back on the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. It was uh, great fun a couple of weeks ago, so looking forward to it. Uh, and again, you know, thanks for coming on, Rich. You've got some great insights, um, you know, being a little more international than the rest of us. So, uh, <laughs> But uh, let's, uh, let's start off the show, and I want to kind of start off the show on a somber note. Um, I don't know if any of you have had the chance to see um it's been all over youtube but uh young uh british formula four driver um 
got into a uh, Billy Monger got into a kind of a crazy accident in the rain, and um, just to you know come around come around the turn. There's a stalled car in there, uh, hit it head on, um, horrible crash. Um, in the aftermath, um, Billy, who's just 17 years old, lost both of his legs. Had to amputate both of his legs. Uh, really sad because uh, young up and coming talent, but. Um, since then, the motorsports community has kind of rallied around um, Billy Monger and his family and friends to try to help him out. And Chris, you know a little more about that. Yeah, they reported earlier today that his uh, lower legs had been amputated. Um, unfortunately, the crash what happened was that he came up on the stall car and hit the back of it, and it was such a bad incident that, unfortunately, he had his lower legs amputated. And the, the tweets went out on to his Just Giving page um, on Twitter a lot of motorsports writers tweeted about it. A lot of drivers tweeted about it. The goal was to raise 260,000 uh, British pounds. And they raised that within about six hours or so, which is about $334,000 U.S. And, in fact, actually just um, within the last uh, few seconds or so, it just hit 320,000 pounds, which is amazing given the severity of the accident and given, you know, how many people donated. It's amazing. And people from all over the world have done, you know, good things to help him out. So, I mean, he had a bad situation, but it's a good thing to see that so many people care and are willing to help uh, Billy Monger out in the situation. Yeah, that is wonderful. You know, the motorsports community, if nothing else, is a tight knit community. You know, and and uh, you know, all of us we take care of our own. Um, you know, devastating uh, to the career of Billy Monger, but uh, you know, fantastic that uh, there's such an outpouring of support from him, and we wish him the best and his family the best. So, um, you know, on that note, um, let, let's move on from there. Let's keep uh, Billy in our in, in our thoughts uh, and hope all continues well. Um, he's got a really tough road ahead of him. Um, and, uh, at the same time, another person, um, you know, kind of close to the NASCAR community, uh, Sam Bass, who is a, uh, motorsports artist who's done, you know, program covers and paintings and whatnot of all the, uh, of all the great NASCAR drivers, Sam Bass, he's been having a tough time as well. And Seth, uh, you know, a little bit about that, Seth. Uh, well, uh, last year, he moved from the old art gallery that was just around the corner from the Speedway down the road to a brand new, beautiful facility that was just built. Uh, but at the same time, he's been going through health issues, diabetes, uh, blood poisoning as a result of the diabetes. And now he needs a kidney transplant as a result of all of the medical bills. Uh, he has had to declare bankruptcy and his entire art collection is being auctioned off as a result of the bankruptcy. Yeah, it's a tough time for Sam. And, and, and this is a guy who's been intertwined with NASCAR as long as I can remember. I mean, I remember, you know, when I was going to Martinsville back in the 80s and it was always a Sam Bass painting on the cover. So, uh, and me, you know, being an art major myself and, you know, kind of a guy that, that loves to draw and paint race cars. I really feel for Sam and his family, and I hope that, uh, that you know, he can, he can get well, get what he needs, uh, and the um, 
the diabetes and the kidneys issue, that's close to my heart, too. Uh, you know, my father-in-law is uh, on a dialysis machine four hours a day, every day. Um, they've determined he's too old for a kidney transplant. Uh, so I kind of know what that's like, and I kind of know how, uh, you know, those sort of medical expenses can really drain uh, what you've saved. So um, we're, we're thinking about Sam and wishing him the best. But um, let's move on. Let's talk about Bahrain. Um, what a fantastic Grand Prix we had there. Um, Sebastian Vettel taking his second win of the year. Um, and, you know, we're used to seeing, you know, just somebody just, uh, uh, you know, they used to say Formula One races are won on the first lap, whereas NASCAR races are won on the last lap. Uh, but uh, this one was a nail-biter for um, the first two-thirds of the race. Now, Richard, um, you've got some uh, experience with Formula One. I know you watched the race. Uh, what's your take from the from Bahrain? Well, I mean, as, as you said, it's been a great start to the season, you know, going into you know, three races. And, you know, this is the first time in years you can't predict a winner. You know, it's it, past three years, it's been Mercedes. Four years before that, it's been Red Bull. And to have Ferrari up there mixing it, not necessarily on individual one-lap pace, but definitely on, you know, long-run pace. And, you know, over, over the 50-60 lap pace uh, that Ferrari are showing is it, fantastic. And... There's still a little bit of doubt in the back of your mind, you know, with everybody knowing that that Mercedes is the dominant car. Are Mercedes losing the races or are Ferrari winning them? Uh, I think there's been a certain set of circumstances, probably more so in Bahrain with the safety car coming out at an inopportune time that really suited the Ferrari strategy and it had a you know, negative effect on the Mercedes strategy. And then with Hamilton also getting that penalty, which was... For a driver of his experience, he shouldn't have been making that mistake. Um, so it's great to see as a fan, but you know, there's still a little bit of when Mercedes get all their ducks in a row, are they going to start dominating again? Because that one lap pace, I mean, what were they, half a second ahead in qualifying? Easily, there's, yeah. there's pace in that car. Absolutely. Um, Gray, you want to weigh in on the Formula 1 race? I know you saw it too. Oh, I thought it was a terrific race. I mean, you know, uh, Ferrari did the strategy first and kind of forced everybody's hand by stopping early. And then the fortuitous, uh, uh, safety car really, you know, put them out front. And of course we had the penalty with, uh, with Hamilton entering the pits. It kind of was a perfect, perfect storm and, and things kind of fell into, uh, to, to kind of fell his way. But there again, you got to give it to him for the, for the, for pulling the strategy and having a car that was stout enough to, to hold them off. And I think that's the thing that's been the most surprising and, and really a pleasant surprise this year is the competitiveness. And, and we're a little bit closer. Uh, you know, the cars ran pretty close. Uh, even the Red Bulls were, uh, were, were, you know, in the shot most of the race, too. So, uh, yeah, I, was, I, was, I thought it was one of the best uh, Formula One races I've seen in several years. I, it, it certainly was a barn burner, especially though. I mean, that opening lap was something else. I mean, you don't often see Formula One cars go three wide <laughs> in a narrow corner, but just to see that was really neat. Yeah. Um, and and of course, the Bahrain track under the lights just looks fantastic on television. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, none, none of us traveled out east, east <laughs> that far east to see that, but uh, had a little little schmazzle there with uh, Carlos Sainz and uh, the young Lance Stroll. And Richard, I know you have some comments on that. Yeah, I, I, I think that was a little bit of Carlos Sainz trying to trying to lay a marker down to a young rookie who, 
you know, through his upbringing in the junior categories, it maybe has a slightly unfair reputation as maybe somebody who's bought the uh, bought that seat. I mean, there's the numbers that are talk are being talked about that his family's bought into Williams are in the you know forty million dollar range. Uh, so there's some serious numbers being thrown around there, and maybe you know you got Carlos Sainz, who's a bit of a rookie himself still. I mean, it's you know he's still in his early twenties. Um, you know, maybe he's trying to put a bit of a marker down and and sort of you know make the kid think, hey, if you come up racing against me next time, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna stick you in the wall, sort of thing. Um, and you know, you've got to think if that was a more experienced driver up there, an Alonso or a Hamilton or a Vettel or something like that, would he have pulled the same move? I, I really, really don't think he would have done. Um, I think the fact that he was coming up to a rookie, he was thinking, well, if this kid turns in on me, I'm just going to blame him. And uh, yeah, no, I, that wasn't a smart move by him, and uh, yeah, no, that wasn't uh, that isn't what you know. If he's looking for a, you know to move to a bigger team, you know maybe take one of those Red Bull seats that become available, or um, you know get one of the Ferrari drive seats, which I know has been talked about. That's okay. It did end up benefiting Ferrari, but that's not the way to do it. No, that's not the way to do it. But you know, how many young drivers have we seen just just drive aggressive like that? You know. But uh, that's I, I love your take that he's say, well, let me try it on a rookie and see how that works out. So, but um, in the end, you know the um, the new rules, um, you know the the longer chassis, the wider tires. Um, is this what Formula One really needs? Um, is this this is what um, the racing I saw this weekend is what I've been longing to see in Formula One for a while um and so so what's next i mean is uh is are, are we on the right path you guys believe i think we are definitely i think i think what you're seeing is an improvement and i think what inevitably happens whenever you have um a, a major rules package change especially in form one of the last few years eventually the, the you know the cream rises to the top again and uh you know the mercedes with their budget red bull with their budget fry with their budget they will they'll start dominating again. And, you know, you, you've got to keep it fresh. You've got to keep it changing. I know with the uh, you know, the, new, the takeover of Formula One with the Liberty Group, they've got Ross Braun involved. And he was doing an interview with Sky TV in England during the Barcelona testing. And he was saying, you know, DRS is going. Don't like that. That's, that's fake racing. That's, you know, we need as a group of engineers, we should be able to make these cars pass each other without DRS. Uh, so that's something that, uh, that they're closely looking at uh, getting rid of probably for, you know, it's going to be next year, maybe the year after. But uh, hopefully we can get back to, you know, proper racing, for want of a better word. I think everybody has this slightly nostalgic opinion that, you know, the racing they always used to watch when they were growing up as kids was the best racing ever. And if you actually look at the numbers, you know, there was no more overtaking in the 80s or 90s than there is now. Uh, it was just the thing that has changed is the reliability. So... You know, you you don't get five cars finishing a race any you know, anymore. If you get two or three cars retiring, it's it's unusual. Um, so hopefully they're going to keep pushing these regulation changes and and do it in a fair way, so that the teams that do have the you know the best drivers do come through to the top, and uh, you're not limited purely by your budget, and you're not limited purely by your engine package or your aerodynamic package. You know, you can. You, you can race for a win, not just engineer for a win. Yeah, well, I, I still think we're a, 
a bit far off of that uh, when you know when you compare it to say NASCAR or to the Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner the car series because we, we're still we're looking at red bull ferrari and uh, mercedes perhaps with a shot to win uh, you don't have that deep of a field yet in formula one and again formula one is driven by budget it's still driven by budget but hopefully the folks at liberty are, are kind of looking at that and making the field much much deeper you know i'd like to see you know a force india car at the front or a or a haas car at the front you know honestly and not uh, not as a result of a safety car yellow so uh, we're, we're quite a ways off from that but i feel like we're moving in the right direction i think one of the dangers you've got with that is if you've got a mercedes who are pumping in 500 million dollars a year or whatever the, the crazy numbers are they expect results they expect to win they want to be winning every race and if you you know if they go three or four races without winning because of a reason that's not necessarily directly related to their financial input then in, in Stuttgart, they're going to say, well, why are we pumping all this money in if we're not getting the TV exposure? Because at the end of the day, that's why they're doing it. They want the exposure and they want the coverage and they want to see a return on their investment. So they've got to be a little bit careful. They can't make it too much. And I'm not going to call NASCAR or IndyCar a lottery, but you can't have, you know, you don't want to upset the establishment too much because then you have these big manufacturers pulling out of Formula One. Yeah, it's a it's a um, it's a it's a it's a narrow sword. A double edged sword. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, because you want competition to keep the fans interested. Because if you don't have folks watching, you know, if, if you don't have folks watching the racing, then then what are you doing it for? But if you don't, if you're pumping all this money in for into it and you're not winning. Then what are you doing it for? So I, I don't know. I, I don't know if yeah. there's an easy answer in there in Formula One because Formula One is just a bit different than uh, than our top American racing series that that are a little closer to spec and they're not so much um, you know build your own car, build your own chassis, build your own thing. So and put yeah. all the money into you want. You know, it's unlimited spending per se. Yeah. And speaking of that, and speaking of that, you know, McLaren's woes continued this weekend. Then they they uh. Their second car didn't even start the race, as only uh, 19 cars uh, started that race. And then uh, I forget where Alonso finished, but uh, he, he didn't have really what, what, you know a spectacular day. Technically, and he then, didn't finish. The, what did you say? Technically, he didn't finish. He actually retired with two laps to go, and That's he was right. already at that point three laps down. That's right. It's, it's just he was. It was just so sad to see them get so close to the end of the race. The one part of the race I was able to see was like the last ten laps. And when he said it was, he's 
engine problem. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me because you know to get that close and to have a failure like that. I mean, you you know he's driving as hard as he can. It's just really disheartening, and I I don't blame him for um, being frustrated at that. I think uh, there was a quote today because the today was the final day of a two day test at uh, out in Bahrain and. I think McLaren completed about three laps yesterday, but then had a, a reasonably good long run today. And there's a quote from them, uh, and he said something along the lines of McLaren uh, at a loss as to why their car was reliable. That's never a good thing to say. <laughs> yeah, they said that they can't explain why they had their best day ever. And their best yeah. day ever was in a test, <laughs> in a test and not on a race weekend. So yeah. I, you know, I, I hate to say I hate to say it, but, um, hmm. I, but this explains why Alonso... Uh, has been granted a you know leave to go run the Indy 500 and skip Monaco, and I want to touch on that a little more because we talked about that at length last weekend. Um, but so now we've had a full week uh, to digest all of the reaction, and primarily the reaction is quite positive. Uh, folks are delighted, delighted to have Alonzo coming over, uh, but there was one reporter, I won't say her name, Jenna Fryer. Um, from the Associated <laughs> Press, who wrote a kind of a scathing article that said, you know, Fernando Alonso, who cares? Um, and she's been vilified, crucified, buried, burned, call it what you want, on social media uh, uh, over this article because she just doesn't get it. And, um, you know, of, of all people, to uh, to kind of set her straight and say, What's wrong with you? Mario Andretti spoke out uh, earlier today and just is like, what are you talking about? So, uh, Chris, you have some reaction to this? Oh, yeah. Uh, I actually was on Twitter uh, during that day that her article came out. And when you have Mario Andretti, Michael Andretti, Marco Andretti, Brian Herta, Joseph Newgarden, Graham Rahal, John Oryovitz, Marshall Pruitt, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera thinking that you're wrong about this, there's a good chance that you're wrong about this. Um, the thing well, that really well, stuck out to me Chris, is... Chris, in her defense, she said that her 13-year-old daughter doesn't know who Fernando Alonso is, and she counts on her 13-year-old daughter to know what's trending. Then she didn't, <laughs> that's, how ridic- she- that's how ridiculous this article is coming from the Associated Press. Two points I want to make to that. Number one, have you not exposed her to Formula One? Second point, if you're depending on your 13-year-old daughter to expl- to know what's trending, then I guess she would want Danielle Bregoli to wave the green flag. For those of you who don't know, she's that cash me outside girl. How about that chick? Who, by the way, had a court appearance for a couple of felonies before uh, she got famous. <laughs> but but we digress. But we digress because that's, yes. that's not what we're talking about. But, but at the same time, you know, Jenna Fryer is, you know, Chris, you've met Jenna. I've met Jenna. We, we've exchanged pleasantries in the um, in, in the media centers at various racetracks. Uh, uh, she's not an unintelligent person. You know what I mean? She's a veteran motorsports. She's a veteran motorsports. She's, she's not. She's un- been doing this. A, she's been doing this a good, a good long while. Yeah, I, I, but 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 for the life of me, I cannot understand where she's coming from with this. That her thought that Alonzo was no big deal, I, and she thinks that it's a publicity stunt set up by the by the speedway to sell tickets. 
and and nothing could be farther from the truth. I mean, this if you, if you talk to Mark Miles, um, this fell in his lap. They they called him and say, uh, "What do you think? Do you think Alonzo could run Indy? Can we make this happen?" And he's like, "Oh yeah." You know, and, and I don't know. I just the whole thing blows my mind, and she's getting uh, well, it, she's getting fried. Jenna yeah, Fryer's getting fried. Oh. Greg, and Greg, go ahead. Not, Greg, it's, go ahead. It's basically a difference of opinion, and and she's entitled. She's entitled to her opinion, and we'll we'll let it play out during during the course of uh, the month of May. But obviously, from the buzz that is created. You know, last week and through this week, obviously it is a big deal in the motorsports community. People in the people that truly in the know, uh, and it and it goes back like we talked about last week. It it kind of you know it it kind of kind of somewhat of a throwback uh, mm-hmm. to the golden age when 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 the stars, the international stars, came over and participated in the uh, Indianapolis 500. We had a lot of crossover. You had a NASCAR. Guys coming out, crossing over, and uh, coming in, coming in IndyCar. So I think it's it's tremendous. Uh, I think you know that. Uh, of course, we talked about Alonzo's uh, desire to uh, to to possibly uh, win uh, the triple, the so-called triple crown of motorsports, yep. international motorsports, we should say. And uh, you know, this would be uh, the, the the second leg of that for him. Uh, and of course, obviously, you can't discount. Uh, someone of his talent and his caliber, uh, I think he'll come up to speed pretty quick when we get to Indy. We talked about this last week. Uh, obviously, uh, he'll get plenty of track time uh, during during the month of May, and he's with a great team uh, that'll be able to put him in good equipment, and and uh, he'll have good support around him. And obviously, you know, you can talk about. Does he have, you know, people look at, seriously, does he have a chance to win? Sure he has a chance to win. You go back, a rookie won the Indianapolis 500 last year. So, obviously, you know, a, another rookie could do it again this year. A rookie who has Formula 1 experience with the Andretti team. <laughs> you know what I mean? That That's exact exact same scenario that um, Alonzo's dropping into. Yeah. I mean, uh, the Andretti team. Um, four Indy 500 wins to their credits. Um, great strategist. They've got a fantastic team environment there, where all the drivers share information. Nothing, nothing is, nothing is a secret. All the drivers, they sit down and disseminate information. I, I think that um, Alonzo will benefit from his teammates there, and I think that the yeah. uh, the Andretti guys, you know, Hunter Ray, Takuma Sato, Marco. Um, We'll, we'll It'll be ben- more input. They'll, 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 learn, they'll, 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 they'll benefit from Alonso, who's exactly. uh, Alonso's no slouch. He, can, he right. can probably tell you exactly what the car is feeling, even though it's an unfamiliar car. So I think it's a win-win for everybody, yeah. um, except, except for Jennifer Fryer's 13-year-old daughter. He'll bring a fresh take to it. Now, is it going to be a challenge? Obviously, it will be, because he's Absolutely never done this. Absolutely, will be, yeah. He's never run on an oval. It's different. It's different type of racing, and he'll have to learn to adapt. But there again, this is the best case scenario, as we talked about last week, because unlike most of your uh, weekend events, you know he's going to have two weeks of track time. So he'll get uh, he'll turn he'll turn probably as many laps as anyone there during the month of May. Right. And who was who was the last team in India to take on a newcomer? 
Oh, it was the Andretti team when Kurt Busch came over. And took it home to a sixth-place finish. Sixth-place finish and Rookie of the Year honors. Exactly right. So uh, it's a great environment. It's good for everybody. Now, Richard, from the other side side of the pond, uh, and and I know you live in North Carolina now, but um, you've probably still got friends over there. Um, (laughs) What's uh, what's, what's the buzz buzz on the other side of the pond with Alonzo? No, I don't have any friends back over there. That's why I have to come here. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, no, uh, well, we can be your friends. Um, no, I, I think you know when the question is asked, who cares? Well, you look at the viewing figures for the Indy Five Hundred, uh, you know, in in England and Spain, especially uh, in May, and then you'll see who cares. You know, Alonso is is still regarded by many many people as the best driver in Formula One. He hasn't had the results, and you can questions some of his career choices in terms of who he drives for but uh, you know this guy is you know he wouldn't do this he wouldn't put himself out on this ledge um to to make himself look stupid he's going to go there he's going to prepare you know as well as any of those guys out there and you know there is a buzz there is an excitement about it and you know yes it's an oval race but i uh, indy's a unique oval i mean it's not an oval <laughs> to, to start with really um, you know, it's it's not like he's going to a Texas um, where you've got that pack racing or, or, or some of these more classical ovals. You know, he's been to Indianapolis. He knows, you know, to go to the, to the venue is not going to be anything new to him. Uh, you know, he's going to be familiar with those surroundings. It's a different car, but he will spend hours after hour in simulators, uh, probably with Delara already. Uh, I know there's you know, simulators in Italy and also in Indianapolis. Uh, he'll be as well prepared as as possible, and he wouldn't do this if he wasn't going to be competitive. Um, there's too much to lose from his perspective, and it's great to get that buzz back about IndyCar uh, over in Europe. You know, you, you had Nigel Mansell come over in the '90s, and you know, of course, Graham Hill, Jim Clark, guys like that came over and competed in you know previous year, you know, in the '60s and, and '70s and the like. But it's it's fantastic, I think, to to expose IndyCar to, to a new audience and to get a, a new group of people interested in it. Because I think the brand and the product IndyCar has is a fantastic product. Um, and it just needs that bit more exposure. That's true. I mean, we've been talking about, you know, what does IndyCar need to do to market itself better, you know, for the last several years. And obviously, like you said, this kind of fell in their lap. So, you know, they need to get as much mileage and as, as, as much bang for their buck with this. I think it's tremendous. I think we're looking, I think, you know, this is going to be a much anticipated month of May uh, all over the world. And I think you have to see it. I think, I think one of the downsides to Formula One is it has this image of being very restrictive and the drivers are just PR puppets, for want of a better word. And, you know, they say yes when they're told to. They say no when they're told to. And Alonso is probably a little bit uh, in a different mold to that. And I think, is this part of the Liberty influence um, on the sport? Are they? Did they have any impact in this? Did they try and make these drivers seem more personable and, and put them in different environments? I, I read a report even this week of Hamilton talking about doing NASCAR in the future. And I know... I know Kimmy's done a uh, truck race in the past. And I think, I think Formula One needs to break down these barriers and allow guys to go over and do different races, like you saw with Hulkenberg a few years ago doing Le Mans. And I know uh, Alonso's talked about doing Le Mans. 
probably not this year, I don't think, but certainly in the future. And I know that probably uh, they're going to make sure that in the future there, there isn't going to be a clash between Formula One and Le Mans in the future to allow more drivers to go and do that. Uh, and it's only good for the sport. It needs to open up and remove this sort of very old-fashioned and, and sort of stuffy atmosphere it has around the drivers and how approachable teams are. Well, you know, it didn't used to be that way. You know, we talk about the golden age of motorsports when there was a lot of crossover and a lot of, and the drivers were very <laughs> versatile. Uh, Jim Clark ran, a lot of people don't remember it, but Jim Clark came over and, and attempted stock car races back in, yep. the, in, in, the, in the late 60s. So, uh, you know, it, it's, um, in fact, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the Indianapolis 500 used to be part of the World Championship, it did. did it not? It did back from, in the day. From 1950 to 1960, the Indianapolis 500 paid points towards the World Driving Championship. It was not mandatory, but it was not part of the schedule. But a couple guys came over, including Alberto Ascari. Ascari came yeah. over, ran it, didn't do well. Um, Fangio came over, practiced, didn't qualify. Um, the cars but, were vastly, I mean, vastly, vastly, vastly different. Well, at, at the same Back time, they, days, yeah. they had they had IndyCar races at uh, Monza mm-hmm. on the old oval at Monza. The race of two worlds. The race yeah. of two worlds. Yep, yep, exactly. Yep. Chris, you're not even old so, enough to remember that. You probably had to Google that. <laughs> well, you know, I think well, they actually had the, they had the winning car for that and uh, at the museum a couple of years ago. In fact, I think Jimmy Bryan actually won it one of those years. Yes, Jimmy yeah, Bryan won I, that. Yeah, I believe I remember reading that. Yeah, but you know, it, it's like Richard alluded to. It's good for it's good for all disciplines the crossover because if you if you remember when Kurt Busch did the double, how about he, he was the last one to attempt it? You know, he finished sixth at Indy, hops on the jet and and, and comes to Charlotte and runs that race. The interest that it created. Among fans of both disciplines was was tremendous, and it, and, it had, and and it had a buzz for both. So it's going to do the, It's going to do the same thing, you know. And uh, if I can squeeze in here for a minute, uh, not only was there a buzz beforehand, but there was a buzz uh, for a few months after because you had two different documentaries on him doing the double. One by NBCSN, which was IndyCar Thirty Six. I want to say it was. And one by Fox Sports, which was uh, on his nickname, The Outlaw. And, uh, I mean, they kept rewriting it over and over and over, especially when there were rain delays, too. But uh, still, just the uh, buzz lasted for a good three, four months after the Indy 500. So I can just imagine uh, how long it's going to last for Alonzo. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I, 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 you know, I got a chance to sit and talk with Kurt um, when he did Indy a couple of years ago, very briefly because he was getting getting on a getting on a helicopter to go to Charlotte. But um, you know, that's more people need to do the double. You know, it's uh, it's uh, John Andretti was the first guy to do that in '94, uh, and then Tony Stewart did it twice. Robbie Gordon attempted it five times. Um, Rain. Um, kind of hurt his chances a couple times, uh, and then nobody did it for like five years, and then Kirk comes back, does it, does it, and does it in grand fashion, and then since then, eh, you know, nobody. I mean, you know, you got Kyle Larson, you got Brad Keselowski, you got Joey Logano, you got you got all these guys that could do that, 
Um, but they haven't. So yeah, somebody uh, somebody put out an April Fool's joke this year about Kozlowski uh, doing the double, and I fell for that one. Oh, that was me. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> that was mine. Yeah. <laughs> Can- can you actually imagine if someone would have done an April Fool's article about Alonzo running the 500 and then all of a sudden 12 days later, oh, wow, look, it actually happened? I know. I, Either that I, or them confirming it that day because they, yeah, yeah, yeah. they Chris, weren't Chris, Chris, that's exactly what I thought when I saw it. I said, I, I, said, I should have done that April Fool's joke, Alonzo. <laughs> well, who, who would have thought, so, who ever would have thought that a sitting Formula 1 driver would skip Monaco and, and, and run Indy? Uh, but what what is the possibility that in the future Monaco can move to a later day? Because Monaco used to be in early June, and it, it, uh, it's back, been all back, over back the calendar. When, back when you know it, it's been all over, but it's been on Memorial Day for the last fifteen years, easily. Yeah, it's but, it's um, been a, it's been anywhere from like mid May to early June. Um, it would would really be great is if we could somehow have it a way where monaco indy and lamar don't clash with each other at all and nor do those respective series so you could actually run all three of them in the same year if you wanted to um exactly yeah yeah but there was another thing i wanted to bring up here uh i actually have the google trends right here in front of me over the last seven days of indy 500 and in the last seven days spain is number one of course with alonzo's announcement the United States is number nine on the list of, of Google interest in the Indy 500. Hungary is second. The UK is third. Then the Netherlands, Austria, Ireland, Denmark, and Finland are uh, two through eight. And number 10 on the list, by the way, South Africa. South Africa, who should have a Grand Prix again. I, I agree. I missed that Kalami yep. track. And now I'm back to calling it a full championship, so. of course. If you can have a world, if you have a world championship, I'm a, I'm a bit old school. That I think if you have a world championship, you should compete in every continent in the world. Antarctica, yeah, you know. absolutely. Well, yeah. yeah, okay. Every raceable. <laughs> well, was it? Uh, was every it, raceable. Uh, didn't did Max Verstappen <laughs> do a PR thing a couple of years ago in uh, Austria with snow tires on the uh, one of the Red Bulls? Yes, they got they got in quite yes. a bit of trouble for that yes, as well, he, didn't they? He did it for Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, and I. Yeah, the, the FAA weren't too happy because it was a legitimate. It was like that year spec car, which they're not supposed to test with, and it created a lot of drama. Yep, yep. But 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 they put the chains on the uh, put the chains on the slicks, and he ran it in the snow. Yeah. Well, how many? Let me I ask you a question. Go ahead. How many how many entries are we up to now for the uh, for the Indy Five Hundred? We talked about this last week, and we'll give we were we had, we'd already exceeded thirty. Thirty-one. Last I checked. Okay. Okay. Thirty-two. If Yuko has two cars, so, and that is that's not <laughs> even, that that's is not that including in, that's, Lazier. That's not including Lazier. I don't personally. I don't think Lazier is going to be out here this year. Uh, based it, on it ba- was... based on some stuff that I that I've heard offhand. Um, what, that, that what did I see about Shank? What did I see about Shank this week? I read uh, some. Uh, My, Michael Shank is running with uh, the sixth Andretti car in conjunction with um, Jack Harvey. Jack Harvey, right? And you, of course, you guys probably already included that one when we talked last week. You, well, yeah, uh, yeah, that, that's a confirmed entry. Jack Harvey is in the uh, fifth Andretti okay. car. 
uh, and Michael Shank. Michael Shank was supposed to run with Stephen Wilson, and Wilson gave up his engine lease to allow Alonzo to come in. Okay. With the Andretti team, so so we're still a couple entries shy of a field of thirty-three, uh, but there's still a couple guys out there looking for rides. Still a, lot, a couple of team owners. I mean, you know, Pastor Will Marotti is still doing his crowdfunding to get him a team. I don't know if he has a chassis or a, or a garage or anything, but uh, last year well, he uh, last year he partnered up partnered up with um, with Schmidt Peterson. So we'll see what happens. I think we'll get to the thirty-three. Um, I don't know if we'll get beyond the 33. As a as an interesting, you know, we, we're discussing a little bit about uh, you know Alonso's move increasing that uh, IndyCar's sort of exposure a little bit. But one of the things I've been thinking about a, a bit over the last few years is is having you know double header events. You know, now with Bernie gone from Formula One, you, you may start to see um, circuits that host Formula One races being allowed to run. Uh, you know, other high-end and comparable motorsports. Uh, so, you know, could you see IndyCar going back to Montreal or something like that? Or would you even want them on the same weekend? Or That would, or be, inter- the, that would be interesting. Um, or no, the, problem, the, the circuit of the Americas. Yes, yeah. Well, the, one of the problems you have, I, I, I think one of the reasons why maybe IndyCar wouldn't want to do that is because it may highlight the speed difference. Um, that's well, that's, That was one of the oh. stumbling blocks of IndyCar going to Montreal the first time. And it turned out that the Formula One cars were faster, and IndyCar didn't have a problem with that. Um, but the Circuit of the Americas, the, the bigger problem there, Seth, is um, Eddie Gossage. Eddie Gossage, who owns the Texas Motor Speedway, uh, I, I know does, he, does, not he said, want, uh, does not want NASCAR or IndyCar to race at Coda because that's like his uh, if, more mortal enemy. If I rem- if I'm if I remember correctly, his exact quote was "Hell no." to a NASCAR race at Circuit of the Americas. Yeah, and he feels the same way about an IndyCar. And IndyCar does not want to cross Eddie because Eddie's been a great supporter of IndyCar. You know, even, even you know through the, through the split years when IndyCar was almost down to nothing, um, Eddie was there providing them yeah. with a venue to race. So um, they feel some loyalty to Eddie Gossage on the Texas Motor Speedway, and they're not going to go to Coda. Um, just to toot their own horn at the expense of ruining their their great relationship they have with Eddie Gossage on the Texas Motor Speedway. So much as I'd love to see IndyCar's Dakota, it's not going to happen anytime real soon. You know, they really you talk about a, a, a double double header type situation uh, that would lend itself to probably Formula One maybe coming back to Indianapolis and running the road course. And then, of course, the Indianapolis 500, you know, on the on the oval, and do that in, uh, in, in the month of May. That that could conceivably uh, might work. Some some kind of scenario like that. Then obviously you've got the the two different disciplines on you know on the one on the road course and one on on the oval. So something like that might might work and pique some interest. Now, interestingly enough, Greg, now that you mentioned that the um, the the folks from Liberty Media. Uh, and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway are both open to bringing Formula One back to um, Indianapolis. Uh, Indianapolis held the Grand Prix of the United States from 2000 to 2007, I believe. Um, you know, until escalating costs and whatnot, you know, pushed it out. But um, the Liberty Media and 
and uh, Mark Miles, who runs the Speedway, both said, "Hey, you know, we could we could open up talks and we could talk about this." They're very open to having Formula One back at Speedway, but I don't think it's going to happen in the month of May. I think it's going to be uh, if 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 they do it, it'll be an August race or or you know a little later in the season, like they did um, when they when we had it before. Right. Yeah, because it's normally around about September time, wasn't it? It was September uh, from 2000 through 2003. Yeah. Of course, it didn't really work out that well the second year it happened, but we all know why. Yeah. I would love to see F1 go back to Indianapolis, however. I will say this. I attended five of the races there, 2004, 05, 06, and 07. Um, It was an incredible crowd there. In fact, I think the first time it went there, they had over 220,000 people there. Yeah. Partially because it was in Indianapolis, partially because it was the first F1 race back in the U.S. since 1991. And in my opinion, I was – my father, I know, was one of those people that believed that Indianapolis would be the only place where F1 would be successful in America. Because, I mean, when you think of racing in America, there's one massive track you think of for some people, and that's Indianapolis. Um, and quite frankly, there were some deficiencies in the track design, but I think that quite a few of those have been corrected um, I think that the new Indy GP track would be fantastic as long as they ran it with the original, you know, oval turn one as the last corner. Um, I think F1 would be a great attraction at the Speedway again if the numbers could work. If it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, you know, and they upgraded the facility facilities. And it's probably other than other than than Coda, it's the only other track that that could uh, in, in that could host in the United States that could host Formula One. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the facilities of a, you know, a, a typical cup garage compared to a Formula One garage, there uh, there's quite a few differences, <laughs> quite a few differences yeah. in there. Well, they upgraded, you know, they they made massive upgrades to the garages for for Formula One when they came. So, the, you know, the infrastructure's there, you know, if they wanted to do it, and it would be a, it'd probably be a very, very easy transition. I mean, it may be something you see, you know, is, is the Liberty idea, you know, of, of getting more races out there, getting, you know, going from 20 races a year to maybe 25 or 26, you know, throw more races out there. You know, these days with, with global travel being so easy, it's still a stress on the on the mechanics and the, and the, the drivers. But, you know, there's the demand there for these races. Um, you know, do you throw in extra races? And I'm sure another race in the U.S. If they, if Liberty turned around and said we want five extra races a year, I'm sure a, a second race in the U.S. would be would be high on that list. I think you're right. I think we we would have. I think it'd be well received. But there again, like 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 you're talking about, if if it if it doesn't make money, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, and they've been looking at uh, spots like Las Vegas for a second race and whatnot. But uh, you know, Indianapolis is already set up for a Formula One race. We've yeah. ran, ran it for a while. So you know, why not bring it back there? You know why not? So, but we'll have to see what Liberty wants to do over the next couple of years. But uh, let's move on and let's talk about uh, what's coming up this weekend in NASCAR, and that is Bristol, second shortest track in the series, always produces a great race. What are we looking at at Bristol this coming weekend? Well, it'd be typical Bristol. You know, we've talked we talked about it. You know, uh, off air at the, when we, before we came on air about. Uh, they're going to experiment again with the track bite uh, in in the corners to try to widen the groove uh, again, so that they have some some more passing 
on the track and uh, widening it out and have an outside groove for passing. So uh, they're talking about, and they will do that. We'll have to see how that goes. Weather, it seems, is gonna is gonna rear its ugly head this uh, this weekend, and we're gonna have to come into that race with a lot of confidence with the you know in his Cup car. So he could be uh, someone someone to watch as well. So uh, looking forward to it. Just you know, I kind of kind of after an off week, you kind of you kind of really itching to get back get back after it. And I know the, the you know there's been that kind of buzz in the shop. The guys have been ready to get back to the racetrack. They enjoyed their week off, but they're ready to go back racing. And uh, another series is running at Bristol, or at least they're scheduled to, with the bang on the weather, the NASCAR Canaan Pro East Series. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is for the second race in a row, there's a team running the new sponsor number layout that is allowed in the Canaan Pro Series. And that team this week is Ryan Truex. And it's very similar to if you, if any fan of history and especially NASCAR history remembers the Hudson Hornet. The sponsor goes down where the do- door is. The number instead of being on the door is on the rear core panel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the, I saw the graphics from that uh, last week, kind of a, you know, it's an unusual looking car. And I tell you another, another throwback to uh, some of the later Trans Am cars ran the same type of graphics uh, package too, uh, where the where the numbers were further back, and you had more of the sponsor graphics along the you know on on the door skins, if you will. And this graphics package primarily came from the NASCAR Mexico series, where that's been their standard. I want to say since its inception uh, in the early two thousands be something to look forward to hopefully I get that hopefully we'll be able to get that show in this weekend with the rain that's uh we're supposed to get uh you know on the, on the eastern part of the part of the country yeah it should be interesting to see if they're able to get in but they do have lights so hopefully they'll be able to squeeze it in otherwise i want to say bristol doesn't have the curfew that most tracks have nowadays no, they so they, they run it late I remember the uh, I was there the full race last year. It wasn't called off till midnight, so yeah, uh, yeah that was a four-hour drive back home after seeing thirty laps of racing. But yep. <laughs> yep. Then that was the Saturday night race. Wasn't yeah, it? it was the Saturday yeah. night race. Yeah, yeah. Y'all stayed till midnight, and they finally called it, and then they they ran it on uh, ran. I guess they ran it on Sunday, did they not? So I think it was. They yeah, ran it on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, yeah, you just, well. So just pulling up the weather, you know, the, the forecast for Bristol this weekend. I mean, they've got every day, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, at least half an inch of rain schedule. So it's going to be a pretty wet weekend, I think. Well, you have them. You, like you said, like the old adage is, you win some, you lose some, and some get rained out. All right, so guys, do we want to try to do some picks for Bristol? Yeah. For Bristol Monday? Yeah. All right, I'm going to start with you, Richard, since you're our guest oh, tonight. Oh, oh, put me on the spot there. Why um, not? I think you've got it. The Gibbs cars have got to come good at some point. Uh, I think they've, you know, they've had a slow start to the season. Um, I think that 18 car is going to be quick this weekend. I think he's going to be, he's going to be pretty close. How about you, uh, Mr. Moderator? You always kind of go last, or oh, I was kind of go last. You know, I was thinking, I was thinking, I was thinking, Matt Kenseth. Speaking of Gibbs cars, I mean, Kenseth had a. 
Nice announcement that he's got Circle K for a couple races this year. Um, and he's a four-time winner there. So and he's a four-time uh, winner there, absolutely. It's, it's so funny because uh, one of these, uh, you know, kind of suspicious websites said, oh, Matt Kenseth uh, has big announcement, uh, press conference scheduled. He's going to announce his retirement. So watch the press conference today. Now, Circle K on the car for six races this year. Now I'm going with Kansas. Seth? Well, I'm going to go a little off topic with this one. Uh, the last three times Jamie McMurray has driven the Bass Pro Shops National Wild Turkey Federation car, he's been victory lane. Those three races were the Daytona 500 in 2010. The Brickyard 400 in 2010, and the Bank of America 500 in 2010. That's his sponsor this weekend. I think uh, that it's a little bit more than coincidence. I'll go with McMurray. All right, Chris, you're the last one. I'm going to I'm going to say, um, let's do uh, Chase Elliott. He's run good there the last few times, so he's... Uh, I think he's got a couple of top five there, so that'll uh, that's a good pick too. And, I, and of course, everybody knows who I'm going to go with because I said it earlier. I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, Kyle Larson. He's uh, he's been knocking on the door there uh, for the uh, last few times there, so I think he might prevail. All right, well, sounds great, man. So let's go around the table again since we got an IndyCar race coming up. Let's go pick a winner for winner for uh, for Barbara Motorsports Park. And I'll start, and I'll pick Ryan Hunter Ray. You stole my pick. <laughs> that's why. That's why I went first. So Gray, you can be Gray. You can be next. All right, I'm gonna go Pagano then. All right, uh, Seth. Will Power. Will, Will Power. Okay, Richard. I'm gonna have to go a little bit sentimental, and uh, only because I used to build his steering wheels back in the day. But I'm gonna go for Takuma Sato. Oh, I love Takuma, Chris. Yep. I'm honestly, I'm gonna go with uh, Joseph Newgarden because he won there because uh, he won there two years ago. Fun little fact: Scott Dixon has six podiums there out of seven races, no wins. Hmm. How about a preview? What do you? Uh, preview for Barber. Well, so we do have a driver change for Barber Motorsports Park. Um, J.R. Hildebrand, who drives a number 20 car for Ed Carpenter Racing, actually broke a bone in his left hand on the last lap of Long Beach and had surgery on it on Tuesday and unfortunately isn't fully healed up. So Zach Veach will be taking over uh, that ride. Um, Veach is a veteran of the Mazda Road to Indy, uh, drove for Andretti Autosport, or uh, as it was known back then, Andretti Green Racing and USA 2000, Pro Mazda, and in Indy Lights as well. Um, he's won six times in Indy Lights. In fact, one of his six wins was at Barber Motorsports Park in 2014. Um, his teammate is Spencer Piggott, who has won at the track four times in the Mazda Road to Indy. Um, and he drives the road and street courses uh, for Ed Carpenter Racing while Carpenter drives the ovals in that particular car he's in. Um, in my opinion, you're going to see a massive rush of media at this race because Alonzo is going to be doing a news conference on Sunday. Uh, going on to what the support series are going to be for this weekend, you have the Mazda MX-5 Cup, IMSA Prototype Challenge is going to be there, as well as, I think, Porsche GT3 Cup is going to be there, Indy Lights, and the USF 2000 Championship. For Indy Lights, it's the same 15-car field that we had at St. Petersburg. Um, Pato Award, who is third in points, is back. Uh, there was, you know, 
they were hoping he was going to be able to do this race because of funding issues, but he's there. Second in points um, is Aaron Tealitz. First in points is Colton Herta. Of course, there. Um, in fact, Aaron's actually won at this track in USA 2000 and almost won there in Pro Mazda last year. Um, Award won the last uh, two Pro Mazda races there last year. Going into USA 2000, uh, there's three more cars on the track than there were in St. Petersburg. The Benick karting team actually has two cars there with a uh, driver from Florida, Darren Keene, and a guy from England, uh, Toby Sowery, there. John Comiskey Racing has another car there, Bailey Mickler from Australia. A good friend of Anthony Martin, who actually won last year's USA 2000 championship. Points leader for there is um, Oliver Askew, who won the uh, second street, uh, race at St. Petersburg and finished second in the first one. Um, he's going to be a strong pick at Barber because uh, he tested really well there when they went to their, um, do their uh, team testing there a few uh, months ago. So how many series is that running there? It sounds like that's, a, that's, I think it's like five busy, or six. That's a busy weekend they're going to have. It, it, is, it is going to be. Uh, like I said, it's the IndyCar. You have Indy Lights, USA 2000, Mazda MX-5, IMSA Productive Challenge, and Porsche GT3. So that's actually six different championships running uh, that particular weekend. Fans get a big bang for their butt then. Absolutely. That's one reason why I love Barber Motorsports Park. There's always going to be on-track action. And it's a what? fantastic facility, too. What mean, next? Well, I was going to say, what, what's next for uh, for IndyCar after after Barber? After Barber, they're heading back to the West Coast to do Phoenix. Uh, I wish that they could have had Phoenix then. Barber said everyone could be on the West Coast for a couple of races and then come back to Alabama. Um, but Phoenix is going to be the next race. And then following that, we have the month of May with the uh, – Grand Prix of Indianapolis, and then the Indianapolis 500. So we got a lot to look forward there because I think once once we start once this, with this weekend, and of course, what uh, it's getting pretty congested because what there's is there. Let's see, there's not a week off between Barber and uh, Phoenix, is it? No, there yeah, isn't. In fact, they think, go straight. I, yeah, I, th- I think Phoenix is a Saturday night race with memory of Scherzinger. So they, basically, they're going to be trying to get out of uh, Alabama as soon as possible to get going. I hope Phoenix. the rain. Hope, hope we don't have any rain issues uh, at Barber. Obviously, Friday and Saturday. Yeah. Well, like well, seeing the you know, you know, Barber's a road course. We could run in the rain. You know, we could have. Right. True. Race, I mean, yeah, so. and, and they will. But you, you know, you'd like to see a good, uh, good show and and treat the fans to some uh, to uh, to some nice weather and in a, in a good show down there. And you know, and the, those fans down at Barber Motorsports Park are second to none. You know, the, the fans come out in droves at Barber, uh, and you think that's a traditional NASCAR country, but uh, we're, 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 I think we're eight years in to uh, running IndyCars at Barber, and um, the, the crowd just keeps growing. It's fantastic. Let me, let me, let me pose this question, too. And, you know, I know uh, I, my, my experience with, uh, with, the, with the Bush, I'm going to call it, and it was called the Bush Series back when I ran it, but... For several years, we went and took the Bush cars and went and ran Road Atlanta uh, back in the uh, back in the eighties. Uh, what? How would uh, uh, an Xfinity race? I know we've we, you know they've gone to to Road America and and uh, and run several places like that. How do you think could could Barber host? an, an Xfinity race? Oh, sure. That would be a very sure interesting yeah, track. I. I I think if Mid Ohio can run an Xfinity race, Barber would be able to hold an Xfinity race. Yeah, just thinking, you know how what you know if that would be a possibility because you know that's one of the things that they've talked about, possibly in the uh, Xfinity series expanding I'll, some of the road races. Although 
just my two cents. I would add another road race to the truck series first, only because if it's a true ladder system, like how sure. sometimes they say it is, mm-hmm. there should really be uh, more than just the one road course in the truck series. Yeah, that, that might, might work. Yeah. And speaking of uh, road courses in, uh, in the NASCAR series, uh, there's a lot of talk about, um, you know, Charlotte uh, kind of beefing up their road course for um, possible uh, chase race in October. We'll see what happens with that. You know, I'm not. Uh, it, it would be 2018 at the earliest. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but uh, yeah. But, but they've been talking about that for um, most of this year. Well, I, I'd be surprised they, to see what happens. There are. Uh, it's not trying to interrupt, but if there are photos of some of the work that has been done and uh, a little bit of the layout change, uh, a friend of mine who goes to UNC Charlotte and writes for Niner Times, Christian Espinoza, wrote an article on this, uh, and I think he actually posted it yesterday. So if you have the chance, go and take a look at that. He explains it very well what they're doing. It's essentially almost like they're turning into a 1.5-mile version of Daytona as far as the road course entrance and exit is concerned. Yeah, the, the cars will will will, uh, will leave the oval going into turn one and return to the oval coming coming out of turn one and use a, use a good major portion of of the oval before ducking into the to the road course, uh, we just have to see that that could be a possibility if they don't run the uh, cup cars, uh, you know, in the uh, there because I know some of the cup guys uh, are are resisting that idea. They could run possibly the Xfinity cars uh, on the road course there in October as well. So it'd just be something to see. But I did see the pictures of uh, of some of the work they're doing on the layout. All right, well, guys, we are up against the clock. Uh... We're, we're at our green-white checker, like I like to say. So I'm just going to go around the table real quick for final thoughts from everybody. And I'm gonna, Richard, I'm going to start with you, since you're our guest. Final thought for the for the night. I think it's it, it's been a fantastic week in, in motorsport with, you know, um, Formula One coming back into, um, you know, a competitive nature uh, over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, the news of Alonso coming over to, to do the 500. I just think it's an exciting time to, to be watching any level of motorsport. You know, there's unpredictability, which is what we all want. We all want to sit down on a Sunday morning or a Sunday afternoon, turn on the TV, and not know what's going to be happening for the next two hours. All right, and Gray, you, Gray, you were an extra final thought. Oh no, I tell you what, everybody. Hopefully, the weather will be good this weekend, and we'll get uh, we'll get all our races in. I'm looking forward to it. Get to get to see a little IndyCar. Get to see a little. Uh, Little cup racing, so I'm looking forward to a to a good weekend of racing. All right, Gray and uh, Chris, you have the next final thought. Well, I'm looking forward to Birmingham. Uh, Bar Motorsports Park is a fantastic facility. It's a short drive for me, just about six hours. Uh, I've been looking forward to this race for quite a while. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, all my good people over there, especially uh, Joey Barnes. He's going to be at Barber as well, and uh, it's going to be a great weekend. I'm looking forward to it a lot, and uh, can't wait to next week's show as well. All right, and Seth? Uh, Cor- this weekend, Corey LaJoy will be running, doing double duty, but not the way you expect. He's still running the number 83 Monster Energy uh, Cup car, but he is also going to be the crew chief 
for John Holman the Ford in the NASCAR Canaan Pro East Series race, should they get that in? Man, well, well you know, hat, hats off to him for sure. Uh, my final thought is that I just love one night a week with you guys, so um, uh, we are because thanks. So uh, you are listening to the Hoobazoo Radio Network. You're listening to Draft and Circus. My name is Frank Stanerowski. We're signing off. We'll talk to you next week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.